Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast, a show all for women about living your best life and fulfilling your passions from the backcountry to the table. No matter where you are, what hurdles you faced, or where you want to go next, we're right here on this journey with you. It's time to take charge, pave your way, and create success. As hunters, we all know having good glass can make or break a hunt, especially when it comes down to finding animals and judging them for size. Be sure to head over to mavenbuilt.com and check out what they have going on now. They've got phenomenal glass. I'm talking top rated in the industry at a fraction of the cost. They're a consumer direct company and can be found only online. Be sure to head over mavenbuilt.com and check out the new ultralight spotting scope they have coming out. It's a 12 to 27 range with a 56 millimeter objective lens size, allowing a lot of light to come in, not packing too much at 34 ounces. You can use code S2-presale at checkout and save 200 bucks. All right, all right. I'm not letting you off this easy. I want to let you know about one more big sale that's going on, and it's with Her Inspired Fitness. As you know, we've already talked about it on the show, and you understand why getting fit for the hunt is so important, specifically if you're a female looking to increase your draw weight or improve your shooting consistency and gain strength and stamina for the mountain. Head over to nutritionrealigned.com and check out the big sale going on on the Ladies Bowhunter program. The sale will be going on until May 31st with the program kicking off on June 1st. Get over there and use the code TIME TO BUILD to save 110 bucks at checkout and dive into this program with like-minded lady badasses. Well, you all know her as Wild Well Fed on Instagram, and you probably already follow her blog because her food, her recipes, and everything that she's doing is delicious and very enticing. Um, but this lady, Gina Shively, is super cool, very laid back, and this woman is out getting it done. She is a Wyoming native, now living in Alaska. She's hunting hard. She's fueling her body in a way that keeps her in peak performance all of the time. In fact, you probably have recently seen her her peanut butter cups that she did for Wilderness Athlete using the Wild C8s. And these things, let me tell you, are amazing. I tested the recipe myself, and I'm super excited to say they didn't last very long. I think that you're going to enjoy this episode today. We talk a little bit about intermittent fasting, about how the ketogenic diet can really help bring your body into balance and really allow you to enjoy your time on the mountain. We also talk about balancing family and really promoting good nutritional habits when it comes to allowing your kids to make choices for themselves and to feed them in a way that will always keep their body healthy and growing strong. So dive in with us as we head out and we enjoy this topic. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Her Inspired Journey podcast. Uh, I'm inspired by this woman's cooking. Let me tell you what, every time I get online and I see what she is doing next, I'm automatically hungry, which I guess is a blessing and a curse that somebody can make food that looks so good. You want to lick your phone, but uh, I'm excited today to introduce Gina Shively. She is a uh, wild, well-fed on Instagram, and I'm sure if you follow any of the wilderness athlete stuff or you like cooking, you like recipes, and you're interested in backcountry meals, you've probably been following her already. So welcome to the show, Gina. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. So you're sitting out in the sunshine. I'm sitting in my office in the sunshine. So this is going to be a really good start to a great podcast. Yes. 
So tell me a little bit about you. What, what's going on in your life these days and what's making you tick? Oh, man. Um, well, that's so hard. Um, I think constantly about food. So that's kind of what makes me tick. Just like thinking about food and hunting pretty much constantly. Um, I have two young kids. They're two and four. So that keeps me really busy. Um, yeah, just trying to stay fit, get ready for hunting season, keep my kids alive. That's basically what I do. That's always a really good thing. When you get to the end of the day and everybody in your household is still breathing, you're like, oh, yeah. victory. See, I can't accomplish things. Yes, yeah. No, it's definitely a small win. <laughs> I've always joked because I love plants and just like now, every spring, all these beautiful flowers are outside of the stores and and so I'm like, I come home with a couple hundred dollars of plants every year. That's just like a donation of soil because every <laughs> time I come home within a couple weeks, they're dead. They're all dead. Every single one of them. I can even kill succulents. Like I'm not oh. joking. Black them. But I'm right there with you. <laughs> but for the last 13 years, I've kept kids alive. So I feel like there's always some place of victory. Yeah, you need to pick your battles and, you know, <laughs> celebrate the wins. <laughs> for sure. Definitely. So talk to us a little bit more about where you grew up and where you are now, because you've uh, moved a little bit. Yeah, I started out in Wyoming. I was born and raised there, um, went to college in the same town, and I kind of ended up in Alaska through... Well, I, was, I was trying to get out of my hometown for the summer, and I came up to Alaska and basically never left. So that's where I've been for the past nine years, I want to say. What kept you there? It's so fun. Um, I, I basically, like, came up, and the mountains are so big, and everything's, like, epic. And it was just kind of, I felt like I belonged here, so I just couldn't really leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, what part of Alaska? I'm in Anchorage. Okay. So it's a pretty big city, um, big compared to where I'm from, especially. Yeah. But is it, is it comparable in like, you know, there's places in Wyoming that are just, I mean, most of Wyoming is just breathtaking. It's it's wide open and every bit of that earth there just like has a story, you know, you can feel it. Is it pretty comparable being in Alaska with so much history yeah, it's definitely the same sort of feel, and I feel like the people are very similar, and, you know, you kind of look around, and you're like, wow, like, how am I here? It is bigger, and I'd say greener, you know, like, Wyoming's mm-hmm. definitely not as green, mm-hmm. but it's definitely that same sort of feeling. You're just, like, constantly in awe, you know, and you spend a lot of time outdoors. Yeah, for but- sure. That's awesome. So you, you're doing some pretty big and epic hunts there in Alaska. Yeah, it's kind of the beauty of being in Alaska. You know, you have these things like right at your fingertips that are kind of like once in a lifetime hunts for other people. Uh, like the backpack hunting up here is epic. And that's part of the reason I haven't left probably. Um, you know, you can get an over the counter sheet tag and then go hunting for two weeks and not see anybody. So that's definitely been a huge straw for me. Mm-hmm. Was it quite an adjustment moving there from Wyoming? Um, I think, oddly enough, I'm, I'm from a town that's, like, a tenth of the size of Anchorage, so it was kind of, like, a culture shock moving to such a big town, and, like, there's four-lane roads, you know? So that was actually a bigger adjustment than, like, being outside and backpack hunting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. (laughs) No, but it's true. I am. I was just telling a client of mine yesterday, we were working out and we were, we were talking about it being like a small, small world, right? You know, the phrase small Mm -hmm. world. She was talking about somebody and anyway, and then I said, actually, you know what, Jen, it's not really a small world. We just live in a small community. (laughs) And so we kind of started laughing because I grew up, I honestly, I live in my hometown. I'm, you know, just a couple driveways down from my folks where I grew up. And so, but it's really small, like it's a very small town. And so I go to town, there's a few intersections. Um, and then, you know, you've got Eugene, that's fairly close, but that's, that's still, it's a, it's a really small place. So then when I travel for work and I'm going to like Salt Lake city, or I find myself up near like Seattle, Tacoma and Washington, I'm like, wow, where I live is like, itty bitty like really really (laughs) small compared to all these other places and and so this last weekend I was up in um, Puyallup Washington kind of over by Tacoma and and the and I was looking at the highways and I was kind of laughing to myself because I'm like these highways are ginormous they're so big they're so big and it just kind of like made me realize like Courtney, you're from, you're a small town girl. Like you really are. This is overwhelming because you're not used to this. Yeah. It's like the first time you go to the grocery store and you don't see anyone, you know, you're like, Oh, this, this is new. (laughs) Like, you know, you're like used to bumping into people, you know, and yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 30 miles an hour away. (laughs) Yep, exactly. And then waving to everybody down the street Yep, for sure. (laughs) So talk to us a little bit about college and what you studied there and how that, you know, really developed as being something that you were passionate about. Yeah. Um, I kind of took a non-traditional slow way through college. Um, I took some time off, but I have a degree in physiology and originally I went in with a different idea. I was getting a degree in kinesiology. I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. And then I took anatomy and I was like, I hate this. Um, I should not be a physical therapist. Um, so I just kind of took the classes I wanted to take and that ended up being a degree in physiology. Um, I just find it so, so fascinating. Uh, and it kind of gives me a good basis for understanding other, you know, like health and fitness things. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I was, I was laughing because I sent you over that list of questions, you know, just to get to know you a little bit more before jumping on a show and, and hear a little bit more about your life. And some people will not appreciate this and that's okay. But, um, one of the questions is how did you get started in hunting in the outdoors? And I loved your answer because (laughs) It was like, I can just imagine like this younger version of yourself and this inquisitive mind that you had to just like get some questions answered, you know, like (laughs) get to the nitty gritty of all of it. And you said, well, I'll let you tell what your answer was on why you wanted to get into hunting in the outdoors. I've always been really into biology and animals and I just really wanted to field dress an animal. I wanted to like see inside of it and like see all the organs for myself and so my dad took me out and, um, I had a great time. It turned out I loved hunting, but I was just like so fascinated by all the organs basically. Um, and it was actually kind of funny. I grew up with this kid. He was born like a month after me and our parents were really good friends and he was there and he was just like horrified. And if he tells the story, he's like, Oh, you know, she was crawling in the gut pile. And I was like, no, like, Landon, look at this. This is a kidney. Like, you you read about them, but you never get to see them. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought it 
was amazing and so interesting. Um, Isn't that crazy? And those, those like first time pivotal, you know, experiences for us kind of like shape our idea of what that means, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> so my, the very first time I was ever a part of the hunt, you know, I like to say I was five. My mom took me to deer camp. She took me to my sister who's three years older and we get to camp and I'm begging him to go to this pond. I called the frog pond to be run down there. And I've told this story before, so I'm kind of like fast forwarding through it, but we run down there and I like stop like Flintstone in the road, you know, I'm like, you know, like trying to stop myself. And there's this, there's this, uh, buck mule deer standing in the pond, um, drinking. And so, like, I stop and I kind of, like, tiptoe back behind my dad. My dad shoots it. It falls over in the water. It dies. You know, so so we go over there and we start getting it out. And my sister is there with us. And I'm just like you. I'm like, I want to see it. I want to cut on it. I want to I want to eat it. Like, I, all of these things, like, I, I can just, I, I love it. Like, I want nothing more than to do this every single day of my life. Yes. My sister, and it's hilarious, and I'll have to post the picture again, but I'm we're sitting in the back of the truck. My dad's holding up this buck. We're all bloody. I'm holding this knife. My sister's, like, got a hold of the gun. She looks mortified, and I'm just, I, like, I like look like I'm ready for war, you know? Yeah. And it's super funny because my sister now is vegan, and <laughs> I have a passion for hunting that keeps me up at night, so... <laughs> Those... I also have a sister that is also not a hunter, and she's definitely cried a couple of times when we, like, came back to camp with birds, or she looked in the back of the truck, and there was a pronghorn. Like, yeah. Very similar. Like, wants nothing to do with it, you know, does not find it fascinating. And it just goes to show you the psychology of humans is in, like, we're we're all born to be so different. But then even on top of that, the experiences that we have and the memories that we have from those like really impressionable moments really do shape where we end up going and who we end up being. Oh, yeah. And it's I think it's particularly fascinating when you have like two siblings that, you know, were raised similar and put in similar situations, but they walked away from those experiences with such different experiences. You or, know, like, yeah, they're related, but just what they took away was just so different. The other thing, and not to like see too much of a squirrel here, but the psychology behind this too is that you can have people that were in the same scenario and the memories from those two people will be vastly different. Oh, yeah. You know, that attachment, you know, and how they perceive things and how they store those memories is so different. Oh, for sure. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Okay, so before we get too far off topic for <laughs> hunting, tell me what your to date most epic, most memorable. That's a fifth time I think that we've said epic, so we've hit our quota on that. <laughs> yeah. What What has been your favorite hunt to date that you would absolutely love to go back and do again? I think it was my last sheep hunt um, last year. I got to go on the sheep hunt with my husband, and I it was just an amazing experience it wasn't my first sheep hunt but just something about it was so special and it was great it was the first hunt I've gotten to do with my husband um and it was like the first time we had spent a night away from the kids since we had kids you know and um it was it was so great everything about it and I think I kind of got on his nerves because the whole time I was like Ryan we're we're out here like look where we are because it was just I was so happy the whole time mm -hmm. um except for like two times packing out but I feel like that doesn't count um, <laughs> but yeah I think I think that was my favorite we were out you know 
seven, eight days. And yeah, it's definitely the most recent, but I think it was my favorite hunt of all times. So do you guys, are you guys camping like a bivy camp or are you coming back down every night or how did you, how did that look? Um, we camped in and we kind of got into the sheep territory and we set up a tent and we stayed, we moved the tent most nights. I think we stayed in the same place twice just because of the terrain. It kind of, um, you know, depends on how you're going to hunt, but we definitely had a camp and we didn't bring baby sacks this time, um, which we were really glad because there was a huge windstorm. Mm. Um, that would have been pretty tough, but I guess it wasn't real comfortable in the tent either, <laughs> but yeah, we, we hiked in, uh, it was three days and we hunted from there. So it took you three days to get to where you were going to actually start the hunt. Yeah. So how do you prepare yourself physically for that? Um, you do the best you can. I'm not sure you're ever in total sheep shape. I did a lot of hiking and it's kind of nice having young kids because you can carry them around everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so your life kind of is a great way to train for hunting. I did lift some weights. Um, I wasn't as into it as I am now, but mostly just hiking, carrying kids. Mm -hmm. Did you, were you trying to hit like specific mileage during the week or were you trying to do like go actually into the mountains and hike with them? Or are you just talking about just simply hiking with them around the house and, and getting things done? Yeah. Um, I tried to get out as much as possible, but I knew I had to be flexible, especially, you know, the younger your kids are, the less you have control over your day. Um, so I tried to do like a good hike at least once a week. And then, you know, I was trying to be active every day. And we're lucky. One of the great things about living in Anchorage is you're so close to amazing hikes. So you could, you know, drive five to 15 minutes and you're in the mountains. So I tried to get out just as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Well, that's awesome. So are you guys going to plan any of those hunts for this year? You guys got a sheep tag that you're going to go out on? I don't have a sheep tag. I had a sheep tag last year, which was amazing. Um, so neither one of us got sheep tags this year, but we can do over the counter. But it's kind of tricky when you're hunting putty, your um, hunting buddies, also your spouse, because you have to worry about childcare. Mm -hmm. So this year I might end up trying to go out by myself, mm -hmm. um, do a little so hunt. I think I'm going to bring my bow so that the chances of me shooting something are really low and I probably won't have to pack it out by myself. <laughs> <laughs> but if I do get something with my bow, I'll just be so excited. I won't care if it takes me three trips. Yeah. That's so funny. That's, oh my gosh. Uh, that's, that makes me laugh actually really hard because it's one of those things where, where were we going? I don't care. I can't even remember what we were doing, but Steven and I went out the other day and I think we we're going to, obviously we're going spring bear hunting, but I can't remember where it was. And he said, well, did you bring your pack and your kill kit? And I was like, no, because I want to kill something. You know, <laughs> it's like sometimes you just have to like reverse engineer. Okay, if I don't yeah. bring everything I need, then maybe the stars align and this happens, you know. Exactly. You're like, I definitely brought my raincoat, so we should have good weather. Yeah. But we're going to ha have to hike back five miles. To exactly. <laughs> exactly. I do that a lot. I, I try to like, you know, m maneuver my way around, you know, creating the success by not being prepared for whatever it is that I'm exactly. going to so yeah I'm pretty superstitious that way so I'm like well if I plan on it then it's not gonna happen I'm extremely superstitious and it's really funny because somebody will ask me a question like have you ever got a speeding ticket or when was the last time you you know have you ever broken an arm and I'm like I like oh, I, ask that. I can't tell you I, I can't even talk about it because yep. 
I know the moment that I say, no, I've never, you know, blank, it's going to happen. Like, you know, lightning's going to strike down and, you know, it's going to go down. So, yes, exactly. I am the same way. Okay, Gina, I have to know what inspired your love for doing all of this freaking, like, I'm not kidding. I want to grab a picture right now of the last. So, I just saw the peanut butter cups that you made. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't even know what my question is anymore, but, <laughs> but let's go back and let's put a pin in that one. We'll put that for next time. What the heck got you to make the peanut butter cups that looked so good? Well, peanut butter and chocolate are amazing. I keep coming back to them and I, I was actually talking to Wilderness Athlete about it because the last recipe I did for them was also peanut butter and chocolate. And I'm like, is it, is it weird? Because I can't think of anything that's going to taste better. Um, so that's kind of how I started. And I love cacao butter. It's just like such a great fat that's like healthy for you. And it's, um, solid at room temperature. Uh So I really like using that. And I just love chocolate. (laughs) And I was like, I can't think of a better way to get some MCTs in your diet than a peanut butter cup. No kidding. (laughs) And to feel like that's one of those things where you can have it and you can like really convince yourself that you're doing your body a favor and giving it something good you know because you are oh yeah because because talk about the ingredients that you used in that um there's peanut butter there's the wild uh wilderness athlete wild c8 um mct powder that they just came out with which is pretty it's, it's awesome um the cacao butter cacao powder a little bit of stevia just to sweeten it up um a little bit of vanilla and that's about it. Peanut butter. Did I say peanut butter? You can there's, you can say that a few more times because yeah, we need to bring a, drive that one yeah. home. Yeah, there's peanut butter. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's like the real simple, healthy ingredients, but they're just so good together. Yeah, that's awesome. And we talked about this a little bit. You're going to include that recipe for all the listeners so that they can jump on that one. Because yeah. it is. It's just one of those things. And I think that it's really fun for me. I like to make treats like snacks like dessert kind of items that I can feel really good about so we don't typically splurge and make a dessert that isn't somewhat healthy for you or has like Mm -hmm. wholesome and good ingredients in it yeah so it's nice to be able to do that and then kind of you know like leave the guilt on the side like you really don't have to feel too bad about it because you're doing your body's you know a good service but you're also not sacrificing on flavor it's kind of like the best of all worlds yes sit down and like legitimately enjoy it but then you also feel great and you can go hit your workout right after. For sure. So talking about peanut butter. So I know a lot of people really, really, really like peanut butter. And there's this debate on, is it really that healthy for you? Should you skip it? Should you go natural? What is your opinion on choosing peanut butter that's going to be, you know, good for your body? I definitely go with the natural route, organic peanut butter. I also don't eat a ton of it. Um, it's almost like... A treat so yeah I, I think it's one of the things like I love it so much I'm not willing to just give it up and I don't think you're doing like enough harm to really stress about mm-hmm. and I I don't like to stress about food at all I think it really takes away from the enjoyment so if I'm gonna eat something I want to enjoy it and I don't want to feel guilty about it so I think that if I'm gonna eat it I'm, I'm not gonna feel guilty about it you know um I'm going to totally enjoy it. And I think it's also different from everyone. Like if you have a little bit of peanut butter and you feel good after that, like, great, go 
go for it. But if you have it and you don't feel great, you know, maybe substitute with like a sun butter or something else. You know, Mm -hmm. I think your body kind of gives you clues on that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. For sure. And another one that I know is a hot, hot topic with people is using sugar sweeteners. So this is something that a lot of people don't understand that there are lots of different sugar sweeteners that you can use substitutes, I should say. And a lot of those people will use because they want to control, you know, blood sugar levels. But a lot of those artificial sweeteners will actually increase your insulin levels and your blood glucose even more than a regular table sugar would do. So what do you use when you're trying to make these treats? Do you focus on, you know, you said stevia, do you focus only on stevia or are there some of your favorites that you like to go to? I use a little bit of stevia and I'm pretty lucky. Like the less sweet things you have, the less you crave them and the more extreme the sweetness tastes, if that makes sense. So I only use a little bit of stevia. So when I have only a little bit of it, it tastes sweet to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another downside to using the fake sugars is you're conditioning your palate to expect really sweet foods. Mm-hmm. Um, I also use exactly ex- oh, the birch bark. I can't say it. Um, I don't use it very often. <laughs> There's also one that's made from birch bark. It's like exothetol. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use a little bit of that. And those are the only two sweeteners I use. And I use them in moderation for sure. I think um, it's a really good tip. Yeah. Just because like, I mean, your palate gets used to the less sweet things and then you don't have to consume as much of them. You know, and I think the sugar alcohols, if you have a little bit, you're fine, but if you consume too much of them, they're probably going to cause some gastrointestinal distress mm-hmm. and everyone has different tolerances and you need to play around with yourself. But it's great that to be able to enjoy like 90% chocolate and think that that's sweet too. Mm-hmm. So I think they're great, especially if you need them to help wean yourself off of say like a diet Coke, you know, I think using like a, Zevia soda is like a good place to start and, you know, to wean yourself off, but ultimately just moderation. Yeah, for sure. And I think just like you said, what you give your body becomes the normal. So then if you have more or less of that thing, you really tend to pick up and notice those. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the easiest way to crave sweet is to have sweet. So the less you have of that and the less you're putting sugar or sweeteners into things, you know, the less your body is going to actually crave having them. So that's a really good point that you bring up on just trying to limit that and and use moderation as your guide when you're, when you're going that route. Yeah. And then even when you do have something with like real sugar, like if you go to someone's birthday party and there's like an awesome birthday cake, you find that you just don't need as much to feel satisfied. You know, Mm -hmm. so when you do encounter the real sugars, it's, you know, you get the same benefit. Like, Oh, I had half a piece and then I was done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, the key is to listen to that internal cue going, hey, I'm good, you know, not uh, yeah. not then psychologically going, but I want to eat all the rest of the cake. You know, your your body will give you a cue, but, yes. you know, where we fail is that we fail to listen to that cue. Yeah. For sure. So what really began your love for cooking? Because you, um, you used to be a home chef. You would actually cook meals for people who didn't make it a priority or didn't have the time to do it themselves. So what really got you into that role? Um, the second time I was back in college after taking an Alaskan break, um, I started watching good eats with Alton Brown and he really took like a scientific approach to food and like a really practical. And I started watching a show. And then after that, I just got obsessed with food. Um, 
I didn't really like cooking up until my mid twenties, I guess. Um, but yeah, I just started getting into it. And then I love the science and art behind cooking. I think it's amazing how it works out. And then I love how the food you eat can make such a huge impact on how you feel and how you perform. Mm-hmm. My last sheep hunt, I ended up getting really into low carb food uh, because I wanted to cut my pack weight down. And I just took a completely different approach to backpacking food than I ever had before. And it lightened up my backpack. And I also felt so much better. And it's like after experiencing something like that, where you're enjoying the food and you're feeling amazing, it's, I don't know, it's all I think about now, basically. (laughs) Constantly thinking about food. Yeah, definitely. So what are your biggest considerations for making sure that you're packing the right nutritional stuff when you're going, you know, like on something like that sheep hunt where you're gone for seven, eight days and you're not coming back, you know, to, to restock? What are your biggest considerations? Is it calories? Is it, you know, the macro breakdown? Is it weight? What are you, what are you looking at? I think it's the three things. It's like the nutrition is giving your body, you know, how it's going to make you feel, um, that you have enough calories because calories are a huge deal when you're backpack hunting and then how much it weighs. So it's like the three things kind of all work together. Um, and I guess too, like you need a little bit, um, food can be like a really huge morale booster when you're in the backcountry. So like having those special little treats is also pretty important. It doesn't seem like a big thing when you're at home, but you know, I like brought many candy bars and like, these are a game changer, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I think just, the calories per weight, making sure you have enough energy and then how it's going to support your body to perform day after day, basically. For sure. So what, what are you looking at as far as the breakdown between calorie per ounce? Um, so I, um, they say it's like a hundred calories per ounce is good, but when you start incorporating fat, you can do a lot better than that. Mm -hmm. Um, trying to think. I got my food, it was over 3,000 calories in a pound of food every day. So I can't do that math off the top of my head. But um, generally, I basically cut a pound of food every day when I went high fat. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that was like 10 pounds off my backpack. So that was huge. That is exactly what I did. Um, I did all of the food prep for three of us that went on the Idaho uh, backcountry hunt last year. And... This is something that is, I'm as green as can be when it comes to figuring out how to properly prepare, pack, plan for, you know, eating out of a backpack for seven days in the backcountry. So for me, I started doing a lot of research and trying to figure out like, well, how many calories do I need to make sure we're getting in? So I I actually broke down because we were all very different too. I'm 5'10", 165 pounds, Steven's 6'6". 220 and then the other guy that we went with was probably 511 and 285 so we're all kind of all over the place I'm trying to figure out you know and you've got to estimate well what are your what are your expenditures going to be while you're there you estimate as much as you can and try to get enough to where you're getting adequate calories plus you're able to recover from you know what you're doing the day before so it really is, there's a lot of, um, of factors and science that will go into determining like what you need to be looking at as far as your overall calories, your macro breakdown, and then, you know, what is that weigh? you know, cause obviously the, all ounces are going to equal pounds, you know, and that, oh yeah, that's, they add up so fast. They add up so fast. They really, really do. Um, and do you, what, go ahead. Sorry. 
Do you find when you're hunting with men that you eat just as much as they do? I always do. Anyways. I do too. Yeah. Because like my husband's like six foot, you know, like 200 pounds. And like, I think there's something about men when they're hunting, they just don't eat. You know, like I packed pretty much the same thing for both of us on that hunt. And he like wouldn't eat the snacks for like a whole day or something, you know? And I'm like, you didn't eat all your food, but aren't you hungry? Like, I wonder if it's just genetics. Like men go hunting and they don't eat. And then I go hunting and I'm like, I need to eat everything. Yeah. You know, like, I just. I need like, all the food. I, yeah. <laughs> you're like 50 pounds heavier than I am. How are we eating? Like, how am I eating more than you? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I always have, I have a really, I, I like to just call it a healthy appetite. <laughs> I like food. I really like food. I like to eat. I like things to taste good. My portions though are going to be a lot different than what Steven's are. But he, I can't say he goes hunting and he doesn't eat. He eats, he eats a lot. And he's the kind of person that he wakes up in the morning and he wants to eat like before his eyes are fully open. And okay. I'm, I'm the opposite. I want to like wait a while. If I have to eat in the morning, I have to like choke it down. Cause I'm not really that hungry ever in the morning. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like play catch up. Then I get hungrier by about lunchtime and then I want to snack more. Um, when we're really, really getting after it though, and we're hiking a lot, you know, even hungry or not, we'll take breaks to get something in so that our energy stays high throughout the hunt. Mm -hmm. But we also went high fat, low carb. Um, all three of us actually did, uh, we followed a ketogenic diet on that 14, 13, whatever day trip it was. And our energy stayed awesome. I mean, we were putting it's amazing. in, mm -hmm, yeah, it's total game changer it really is and but i want to say with that disclaimer keto the ketogenic diet and you've probably seen this and, and heard the kind of this feedback from other people i'll get a lot of you know potential nutrition clients or or newcoming nutrition clients that'll come to me and they say well i've done keto before you know i really want to do it for x y and z but it doesn't work for me and what i find most of the time is their version of the ketogenic diet isn't a ketogenic diet People think that they can just incorporate a whole bunch of fat, lower their carbs a little bit, you know, focus on protein and be good to go. But they're not getting into ketosis because their body is not in a ketogenic state. So I think it's really important to note that when we're talking about this, we're being specific to that diet, not just going low carb, you know, high fat. And I also think it's important to mention that, like, it, you didn't try ketosis the first time on a hunt. Like, it takes time for your body to be efficient at it. You know, so I started, like, months ahead of my sheep hunt getting ready for it. You know, and, like, I was in ketosis. I, I did all that. You know, and it, I was patient with myself, too. You know, like, yes. I would not recommend going on a hunt and doing ketosis your first time all at the same time. Definitely not. No. Without a doubt. And especially if you're, you know, climbing in an elevation and going from, you know, a lower elevation to something at, you know, you know, 5,000 and above, your body is going to hate your life, you know? Yeah. So you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be performing well. No, it, you won't you know. be. Nope. You'll be wondering exactly. why you have no energy every single day, why you have a raging headache and why all of your muscles want to cramp and spasm. So yeah, I definitely wouldn't go that route, but I do think, you know, doing things like intermittent fasting and following, you know, a more holistic approach, um, whether that be through a ketogenic diet, through a paleo diet, through anti-inflammatory, all of those things can be really beneficial. But I think the one number one thing to mention with trying any specific um, nutritional plan is that you're you're doing it justice by following its parameters the right way. Yeah, like you're not. 
if you're not getting anti ketosis and you're just consuming a lot of fat, you know, you're just going to store that away. You know, right. it's not going to teach your body to burn it. It's going to be storing it. Exactly. Um, so what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? I know that's something that you've played around with and, uh, like to talk to you about the benefits that you find with it and how you're incorporating it into your life. Yeah, I love it. I am such a huge fan and it's taken me a while to get good at it. Um, but I am a huge fan and I found like during my sheep hunt, I think it was a great tool for getting ready for that. Um, especially when your training time is limited because by intermittent fasting, you're teaching your body to burn more fat and then you can go longer, even if you're not training as hard, if that kind of makes sense. Um, it's been a total game changer and I think it also frees up time and it allows you the time to make a good breakfast choice. So almost every morning I maybe will put a little bit of fat in my coffee, but I really don't eat until like 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, unless I'm hungry. Some days you just wake up after like a hard workout or something and you're hungry. And I try to really listen to my body. Like if I'm truly hungry, I'll eat, but it's been a total game changer. Um, just waiting to eat. And I also do most of my workouts fasted, which is kind of nice because I, I don't feel great if I eat just before I work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that working out fasted also, it, ex- it helps your body become a fat burner, basically. And it makes that transition faster. And yeah. it saves a lot of time also, which is great. I notice that I have a lot more mental clarity when I'm fasting, when I'm at least throwing a few days of IF into my plan. I, I could, and you know, because you're, you get to detox, like your brain and your entire body gets to actually go through the the full process of detoxifying. And constantly thinking about digesting food, you know, he gives it that nice break. Right. Go through and like, you know, Mm -hmm. apoptosis, like kill bad cells and Yeah. No, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. So the detoxification is what I really notice, like being a, a huge benefit. And then again, yeah, you're not driven by food all the time. You know, Which you're... is amazing. It's, it's nice. Like that's one thing I love about ketosis and intermittent fasting is like when you're hungry, it doesn't seem like an emergency. You know, you just like, <laughs> you notice you're hungry. And you're like, Oh, I'm hungry. That's okay. And then you can like wait till it's convenient to eat or until you have a good choice. You know, you don't have to like stop every two hours to eat. I've never thought about that actual side of things, but you're, you're so right. Like when you're burning sugar, your body gets hungry. And there's a reason that somebody coined the phrase hangry because you literally psychologically begin to change because your body is like, I will actually die at some point. And when your body's I don't get food soon. right, and when your body's in ketosis, you're like, "Hey, dude, next time you you know you get some food around you, you, should, you know, probably refuel. But if you don't, it'll be okay because I've got plenty to work with here. You <laughs> yeah, know, I'm, I'm carrying all the calories I need. Yeah, you know my thighs. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like carrying around like a cooler, you know, permanently. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'll just open the cooler and have whatever. Yep. That's super funny. Um, yeah. but the nice thing of too about intermittent fasting is that your body actually produces more growth hormone because yeah. you're not processing. So there's a lot of really good benefits to IF. We'll have to get into the, the geeky side of that at some point too, and, and give some people some more tips on incorporating that. 
Um, though I think it's another one of those things like the, dic the disclaimer is if you're somebody who's eating a high carbohydrate diet, your body isn't going to, you know, it might reap some of the same benefits, but your body isn't going to be as willing to go, Hey, I like this state. You're going to find that, that hangry time, or you're going to get to where your blood sugar is super low because your, your body's requiring more. So it's not quite as comfortable if you're in a sugar burning state and you try to incorporate some IF. And it's, it's more of just a, an, another stressor to add to everything else instead of, like, a nice break. You know, like, you're stressed out and your body perceives that stress and it, you know, it's going into starvation or it's worried. Yeah. And so it's not as, like, restful as when you're not in a sugar-burning state. It's like, oh, it's this is a nice break. You know, like, it's it feels much different for sure. Absolutely. So do your kiddos, I know you've got two, two little, little ones. Do they like to hunt with you guys? Are they, uh, into this whole outdoors thing? They love being outside and they are obsessed with hunting, but they haven't been yet. Um, my littlest one, like every time he sees like a sheep mount or a goat mount, he's like, mama, you know, like he knows, he knows that we hunt and he knows that the food we bring home, we eat, you know, he'd be like, eat mama, you know? So they're obsessed where their food comes from, which I love to see. And I actually just ordered them bows because they were both asking about it, but they haven't been hunting yet. They're still pretty young. That's um, really exciting. But they are obsessed with it, and I love that. And that's going to make the, you super proud. Oh, yeah. And I love they already have a connection to where food comes from. Um, and they, they like, see food. They're both obsessed with nutrition. It's it's kind of weird. Um, but they both see me as like a healthy source of nutrition that helps them be strong. And they know that we go hunting to bring back me. And I just love them having that connection to their food already. Mm -hmm. So how do you find, you know, one of the questions that I get from women a lot is, you know, they want to follow a specific eating parameter but they're trying to figure out how to help their families eat healthier while they're personally going on this mission to, you know, follow this different kind of a plan. How do you find like ease of use when it comes to getting your family to eat healthy, wholesome foods to fuel their bodies in a, in a good way and to keep it fun for, for little ones? Um, I find that I'm the one who does the majority of the cooking. So everyone's kind of at my mercy, which kind of makes it easier. Um, but sometimes, like, if I'm in ketosis and no one else is, it's easy to add, like, rice cooked in bone broth as, like, a side dish to kind of appease everyone. So it's it's easy to find things like that. Or if everyone else is having tacos, I'll have, like, a taco salad. But I think the easiest way to get young kids interested in that is just to involve them. Um, you know, my kids are young, so I'm sure I have no experience with older kids. So I'm sure it's different as they turn into different people. But... Like, my kids like talking about the colors of the vegetables, you know, they're really into rainbows, you know? So, like, we talk about the colors of the vegetables. They help me cook often. Um, my four-year-old is constantly asking, like, if there's sugar in things. Um, so, just, like, involving them. But then also, like, when they go to a birthday party, they eat cake, you know? So, it's, like, definitely finding a good balance for them where they're not... I don't know. They're not orthorexic. You know, like they, mm -hmm. I think there's a time and a place to eat most things and I want them to enjoy eating treats. And so just kind of finding that balance between the majority of the time 
eating really healthy so that when they don't, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And involving them, I think has been a really great tool for them. Those are huge points. And they're so important because it's, there's this fine line, especially for parents raising daughters. Um, And not to say that, that little boys and young men aren't immune to this, but our relationship with food begins the day we're born. And there's so many facets of life, especially as we get older and we, we have, we're influenced by more social pressure and outside influences that will start to like really change and develop what that relationship looks like. And I, and I think for, for, for everyone, it's important for your kids to understand where their food comes from, what, what makes it up, what's healthy, what's not healthy, but it's done in a way that doesn't give them such a a conscious about all of those decisions that they have this fearful idea of eating food. Yeah. And I think probably the best way, and it's not always easy is to like show by example, you know, like I'm really careful not to like talk bad about my body in front of my kids. And I have two boys, so I, you know, I don't have experience with girls, but I don't want my boys to see a woman talking badly about her body and equating her self-worth with like what she ate for lunch, you know? So like, I think just it's hard and it, it requires some like work on yourself, but I think the best way is to like live by example that in that case, you know, like I actually was listening to a podcast and the psychologist was like, I'd rather have a kid whose parents eats vegetables than a kid who eats like eats vegetables and doesn't see their parents do it because I think as you get older those lessons are taught to you by what you're around yeah definitely and that's a that's a strong you know way to look at that too you know that example is huge and you know working with a lot of female clients who do have you know some sort of body dysmorphia or they're you know, super self-conscious or they're not happy with where they're at, it's easy for them to like subconsciously make those remarks or, you know, put that vibe out there in front of kids. And then kids really start to mimic and have those same kind of thoughts in themselves, whether it's now or whether it's 10 years down the road, those feelings start to surface. Yeah. And I think I try to like not demonize food. Like I'm never like, this is a bad food. I'm like, this is a treat. We enjoy it sometimes, you know? And so like, and which is, you know, it's, it's good for me to say that out loud too, you know, but just really try to not demonize food or see it as like bad or good, but like this is supporting your body. This is helping you grow or be strong. And then this is like a sometimes food, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're not a bad person. If you eat a cookie, you know, like that says nothing about what type of person you are, you know? And so I think, which it's hard to, you know, show that example if, if you're having a hard time believing it. Yeah. But I try really hard not to demonize food in front of my kids or make them like, if if they're going to eat a cookie, I want them to totally enjoy it. I don't want them to think of it as doing something bad, you know, because if you're not going to enjoy it, there is no point. And I don't want them to see other people eating different food and think that they're, you know, not doing as good of a job or something, you know, like I don't, like to add any morality to food, basically. Mm-hmm. Just like, sure. Like this supports your body. Did you enjoy it? You know, trying to show by example, which is odd, sometimes harder to do than say, 
It is, but it seems to be so much more of a relevant way to lead is to, is to do, you know, do as, do as I do. So I think that's really a good way to look at it. Like for my kids, like, and we don't eat perfectly. There's, we stop by Mexican food every once in a while and we, you know, step outside the box. But for the most part, we're eating wholesome food. We're trying to eat organic. We're doing, you know, obviously wild fed game. And, but there's like the occasion that my kids will have a soda. They get a soda on their birthday if they want to choose to have a soda. Outside of that, we don't do soda. But last night we stopped by the store after work. I had to fuel up and then we were coming home. And like I was telling you earlier, I just subscribed to doing the HelloFresh boxes. And I'll be honest, I'm a little bit weirded out by it because I, I, you know, I love food. I love to cook. I have this really sick obsession with going grocery shopping. It's one of my favorite things to do. But in order right now to manage time, I really wanted to just be able to come home and have it ready and be able to spend more time just hanging out with my kids. Uh So we were at the store and they wanted to pick out a drink. And I said, sure, you know, go ahead, pick something out. And they came back and usually they make pretty good choices. Last night they came back with, I don't even know what it was, but it was like neon blue. (laughs) And I was like, I love you guys, but I'm going to tell you right now, I really suggest that you make a different choice. I said, that one's going to be full of lots of different things, including food coloring that's just not good or healthy for your body. It's not going to make you strong. And so they went back and they they put it back and they cho- chose some like organic, you know, antioxidant drink and, and uh, which probably has something in it they shouldn't have also. But, you know, allowing them to make healthier decisions by giving them some of that knowledge, I think is, is fun for them because then they start to feel like that they have the knowledge to make healthier choices when they go out, you know, and, and, and do that kind of stuff. So. Well, I think the key there was that you didn't say no, you were like, I was just making a different decision based off of this. And then they were able to make their own decisions. Definitely. You you were giving them the information and then they were able to make the decision themselves. And like yeah. One of those days, they may decide to have the soda, which is fine, but they may also then notice how their body feels after that. You know, it's like that's also an important lesson. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And the nice thing, kind of wrapping back to these HelloFresh boxes, and there's lots of different companies that do them. I just am familiar with HelloFresh. It's really cool because my oldest son, Brody, loves to cook. He loves to be in the kitchen when there's a plan. If it's just like free for all, pick some out of the fridge, he gets kind of lost. So these HelloFresh boxes come with all of the ingredients for that meal in a bag. And then there's a written instruction step by step that will tell them exactly how to make that meal. So Brody gets really excited because he loves to follow that. So then Uh he gets to make this entire like, you know, quote unquote gourmet meal for us. And he's so proud of it. So he's getting to really refine his kitchen, you know, his cooking skills and getting more familiar with being in the kitchen. But it's, you know, he's doing it in a way that he's supported and he's starting to understand how things, you know, work as far as cooking goes. So it's a pretty cool deal. It's probably also cool because it'd be recipes that you wouldn't necessarily pick out yourself. You know, it's kind of like broadening your horizon. I guess I get in huge ruts, you know, like we'll have the same thing you know, the same five recipes for like a month, you know, and then it'd be nice to have something kind of kick you out of a rut. Oh, it really is. And I'm, I'm bad about that because I know there's some people that, that really, they can't do leftovers. They get kind of funky about having the same thing twice. Like I'm a, an ease of use kind of person. So if I can make oh, it too. and have it for four days, like I'm totally fine with that. But I think it's, that brings up a really good point. Sometimes it is hard to like step outside and try to figure out something that might, you know, challenge your palate a little bit differently. Or, you know, you have a whole freezer full of wild 
scheme, but what are some different ideas that you can have for that? And before we got online, we were actually kind of chatting back and forth about our our habits with creating recipes and doing different meals. And I'm very much visually like um, encouraged or inspired by a recipe I'll see and I'll go like, oh yeah, I want to make that. And by the time that I'm done with that, you know, meal, I've made something completely <laughs> different, yeah. you know, so, so talk a little bit about like how you try to spice things up and do things different and where your inspiration from, you know, creating those meals comes from. Um, I try to find recipes. I like we only eat wild game too. And I definitely look at recipes that are not necessarily full wild game, but I try to adapt them to what I have. Um, I'm actually a huge fan. I don't know if you're, it's like 177 Milk Street. It's like a subscription to recipes. Um, it's a great magazine. So I, I find like inspiration through recipes like that. And I, you know, try to scour Pinterest or whatever. And then I kind of just change the recipes to suit my needs. Like lots of the recipes I look at aren't very paleo or, you know, they, they have stuff that I, I'm not excited about eating. So I'll just swap it out for something I feel more comfortable eating or, you know, like swap out rice for cauliflower, you know, just little things like that. Mm -hmm. And then just whatever I have in my kitchen. So I'll start out with inspiration. And then by the time I'm done, it might be completely different, but it usually turns out pretty good. Um, Yeah. Just kind of cook as I go. And then you get to the end and you go, well, I'll never be able to make that again because I don't know. <laughs> Not at all. You're like, this was so good. I wish I would have written it down or measured stuff because I usually only measure ingredients if I'm trying to work on a recipe for my vlog. Um, but when I'm cooking at home, I'm like, oh, like a pinch of this. And then I cook a lot by smell. So I'm like, oh, this smells like it needs something else. Or, you know, you taste it. And like, oh, this needs a little heat or, you know, whatever like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We have a running joke in our house because anytime I make something, Stephen will like, you can tell when he really likes something because he'll go, I really hope that you wrote that one down. <laughs> like, you're like, nope. Yeah. Like not it, a It makes it more special. It's more special if it's a one time thing. Well, and the nice thing is, is every time we have something, it, it tastes maybe similar, but it's completely different because it's never going to be exactly, you know, what it was yeah. the first time. So. Right. I love playing around with meals, so it's a lot of fun, and um, I'm going to put some links in the show notes and over on our website to your blog, so people can go to you and obviously follow along what you're doing and what you're posting. These recipes, like I said, will make you want to lick your phone. Don't do it. It doesn't (laughs) taste good, (laughs) but um, we'll link to that so people can get hooked up and see what you're doing. If people want to reach out, where can they find more information from you and connect? Um, I'm on Instagram at wild, well fed. My blog is wild and well fed.com. And that's a good place to reach me too. Um, they can email me or off of, off the website or DM me on Instagram. Perfect. Best way. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, this was super fun. Now I'm hungry. I honestly um, scarfed down some uh, oats with some organic honey and a little bit of banana with cinnamon. And I typically don't eat that carb heavy ever, but I ran the half marathon on Sunday. And so my justification is that I'm refueling. (laughs) So now I have like bucket loads of energy, at least for the short term until I crash. So... I'm going to run outside and go work this off. And then I'm going to jump on your website and I'm going to try out those peanut butter uh, cups that you made with the wild uh, C8 by Wilderness Athlete. 
And uh, I'll give you some feedback on when the entire bucket of those is gone. (laughs) Yeah, please let me know what you think. Awesome. Will do. Thanks again for taking the time, Gina. Uh, We'll be sure to connect with you again soon. Yeah, it was great talking with you. Well, ladies, that does it for this show for today. I hope that you found some inspiration, some good advice, and definitely some encouragement to take with you on the rest of your week. I'm already looking forward to coming back next week and giving you some more insight, some inspiration, and some tips on how to navigate your best life. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Your feedback is so important to me. I would love to know the questions that you have, any topics or ideas, and your feedback. You are so valuable to me, and I really appreciate you taking the time to leave the review and subscribe to the show. See you next week on Her Inspired Journey.